0: This is Joya Italiano. This
1: is Jeff Ekman. And
0: welcome to Oh, That's a Thing, a podcast about the real science and sci-fi movies.
1: Even if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We use the movies as jumping off points for some pretty awesome and real topics.
0: That's right. We're not experts at all. We're actually just a couple of goons who Googled some stuff. But this stuff is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so sit back, relax, maybe learn a thing or two. Here we go.
0: Here we go. Oh, it's a twister. It's a twister. <laughs> Auntie m Auntie. We didn't watch The Wizard of Oz. No, we didn't. <laughs>
1: Although, we, maybe we should. Yeah, it's <laughs>
0: We watched Twister. Yeah,
1: written by Michael Crichton, directed by Jan de Oh,
0: man, I keep forgetting that it was Michael Crichton. Yeah,
1: although also somebody who did some uncredited rewrites is Joss Whedon, for people who are interested in that. Yeah,
0: I read that both Joss Whedon and Steve Zylon, they were brought in as script doctors at a fee of $100,000 a week.
1: Yeah, well, that's a quite a fee. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Jan de also did some other fun movies like Speed. He was the director of photography for a ton of stuff before he became a director. Uh Stuff like Flatliners. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. And Die Hard and stuff like that. Okay. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Let's do it. There is a mystery. Elusive.
0: Unpredictable. Violent. It terrifies most scientists. But for a new breed... The challenge is saving lives. The research is deadly. The laboratory is nature itself.
1: And potentially uh, could be a uh, storm.
0: So there's a lot of crashing and banging and booming in that trailer. Yes, but that's because the, the tornadoes... The tornadoes were through.
1: making the booming sounds. Yeah. <laughs> they were picking now, up shit.
0: You're a big fan of this movie, yes? I
1: do very much enjoy... Look, it's a silly movie. Yeah. I did not really enjoy the characterizations so much this time around. Yeah. I hadn't seen it in many years, but... This was like the first movie I ever saw in a surround sound theater. Oh, sure. And that's where you're going to want to yeah. experience your first surround sound. You yeah, know?
0: absolutely. With the winds and whatnot. It's well, a
1: really fun time.
0: I also discovered that I had no idea how deep your love for Bill Paxton ran. Oh, I it really it runs did not very know. deep. No, he's
1: <laughs> been an idol of mine since I was a kid. Like, I know. Ev- every time he shows up. Look, True Lies, his performance is like the best ever. We don't need to get too big on <laughs> Bill Paxton, but damn... I was very, very sad well, to hear that he passed away last year.
0: Right. Totally. I, which I totally forgot. I was yeah. like, no, he's just a household name. He's I around. I
1: know. I know.
0: The original choice for his character, Bill Harding, was Tom Hanks.
1: Oh, I could see that. Which
0: could totally work. Hanks I love it. Hanks t- could but have been good in that. I like Bill Paxton in this. Yeah. And also, Laura Dern was considered for the role of Jill Harding <laughs> and, crazily enough, Helen Hunt previously auditioned for the role of Dr. Ellie Sattler in Jurassic Park. And I was oh, like, that's... Laura Dern and Helen Hunt are so
1: Yes. It's funny similar. how like I have so some friends who are actors and they'll like show up to a an audition and be like, Wow, everybody in this room looks like me. Totally. Or like they'll like there will be an actor who yeah. looks like them but is like slightly more famous. Right. And it's like they get all the roles that I'm up for and I get all the roles that they don't
0: Exactly. Pick. Like it's pretty part for the course that you're gonna go in and at least be like surrounded by types where you're just like ah oh, everybody that looks like reasonably <laughs> like me. Yes i do all kind I of have attractive. All right. But yeah to like run yeah, is into something to you or
1: <laughs> are you upset by it? Right.
0: Yeah, but, like, seeing the same person over again be like, you, Laura Dern, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Didn't work out this time. <laughs> Did you know that it sucks was originally going to be used as one of the taglines?
1: I mean, the, the good thing they didn't, because <laughs> that's too easy
0: it's too easy, too and, easy. Dumb, and dumb dumb, dumb like you need the one character the one like Philip Seymour Hoffman guy that's just like welcome to the suck zone yeah I love
1: <laughs> that's the suck zone like, there's a lot of talk about sucking <laughs>
0: he gets so close like not in a creepy way but like so close like welcome to the suck zone Yeah. like what who is this guy you were talking about how that was like the original like nerdy guy who's f- like I'm fun. sure
1: that there are examples that came before it but yep. I feel like this movie established so many tropes of like the disaster movie team.
0: Right. Like, He's
1: cool. Yeah, there's like the the like kind of chubby, like funny, you know, guy who, like, you wouldn't expect Philip Seymour Hoffman, the way we think of him today, to right. have played that role. Like, you would see Jack Black show up in that role Absolutely. at various times. Like, there's so many different, kind of like the fat sidekick right. who's like, it's happening, man. Totally. It's really going down right
0: now. Absolutely. Before Capote, though, that's kind of like what he was. Yeah, he was yeah. like that, that guy. And you
1: get the milk commercial guy in there. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite favorite I fucking it's, love him. It's a, it, you even get, like, yeah, th- there's a ton of people. The whole side cast is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Oh, you'll appreciate this. I read that after Bill Paxton died, Spotter Network choreographed 200 storm chasers to spell out BP with their GPS tracker oh. blips on a radar display to honor him. And apparently this had only been done five times before, but this was the first time it was done for someone who wasn't a storm chaser.
1: Oh. Isn't that lovely? He's a storm chaser in our hearts. He was.
0: he was. So obviously there's, like, a ton of storms and stormy skies mm-hmm. in this movie, and I guess in order to get that kind of stormy looking background the truck cab which Mm -hmm. they're in for so long those sequences had to be flooded with high intensity lighting for contrast oh yeah and i guess helen hunt and bill paxton suffered minor retinal burns through much of the filming
1: yeah i read that bill paxton said like these things literally sunburned our eyeballs he was like i got back to my room and i couldn't see yeah so they had to put like a plexiglass filter in front of the beams
0: Oh, I see. Well, because in such a small space and you're like mm-hmm. right there, that's fucking yeah. crazy. And
1: like they took eye drops and wore special glasses for a few days to like get their eyes back to normal. Thank God they did return to normal. But <laughs> yeah, right? it does sound like shit was a mess on set. Really? Like Jan Debont was a tyrant reportedly
0: <laughs> Right.
1: and just like a problem demanding a lot. And the crew actually walked off set and quit halfway through. No way. All and right. it was a whole thing. And so Helen Hunt got hurt a lot. He in an interview said like that she was a little bit of a crybaby or something and yeah. she was like I thought I was a good sport like right. fuck you dude
0: Totally I mean I can't imagine it would have been an easy shoot to, to be on, no. you know what I mean? I also read that filming was briefly delayed due to the Oklahoma City bombing in 95. Oh. And like a bunch of the crew went to the site to help with recovery efforts. Oh, wow. So it's like already like... <laughs> yeah. And according to Urban Legend, a tornado hit a drive-in theater in Stony Creek, Ontario while this movie was playing. But in reality, a tornado hit a drive-in theater in Thorold, Ontario on May 20th, damaging a screen. But the movie was not playing when the tornado hit. It was just supposed to play later that night, which is still fucking crazy. Yeah,
1: I mean, Okay, oh, it was supposed to play later that yeah. night. It wasn't actually playing at the time that the Twister came through. Exactly, it's like Come it's give pretty us a specific, break. bro. <laughs> the fact that it, the Twister broke that screen like in the window of time that the movie Twister was yeah, in theaters at all. Yeah, exactly. like, you know, That's enough. I also read that Prince of Twister that were sent to various theaters came with a note from Jan de Bont suggesting that exhibitors play the film at a higher volume than normal for full effect. Oof. Which in my surround so sound wow. theater, I'm pretty sure that they were doing. Because right. I actually remember we were in the theater next to the one uh-huh. playing Twister and you could feel the tornadoes the at various yeah. times in, the, in well, yeah. the other movie we were watching.
0: Well, and I can appreciate that effect because it's like, Trying to explain that the primary like fear and the terror of a tornado mm. is that sound. I mean, right. not just everything being hurtling around right. and you know the shrapnel, the shrapnel, the like debris and whatnot, but it's like that mm-hmm. sound has got to be fucking deafening. <laughs> this was the first movie released on DVD and the last released on HD DVD. <laughs> like what a lovely time frame.
1: That's it's the amazing. The first and the
0: last of the yeah. DVDs. Oh my
1: God. Well, I we watched it on Blu-ray, <laughs> the thing that beat HD DVD. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, so.
0: Fuck you Twister
1: The last
0: They apparently Slowed down A camel's moan And that was used as the sound of the tornado. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Although it's like they had to have had just like it's the crashing and the whatnot, which is so much of the sound of this movie. But yeah, like I don't know what a camel sounds like.
1: Because like they usually, I know like traditionally they would use sounds of predators for the sounds of scary things. And like like in
0: Predator, they combine a bunch of predator sounds. Exactly.
1: Yeah. We've talked about this before. (laughs) And the fact that it's just a camel slowed down. (laughs) And
0: then, and of course, that like iconic scene where the cow's getting flowing around apparently was originally a CGI zebra from Jumanji. (laughs) Just like a random tidbit, but I guess they like (laughs) they like took one of the zebras, the CGI zebras from Jumanji and they just reworked it.
1: The asset from Jumanji. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't create their own cow. It's like takes the... So there's a shot in Jumanji where a zebra takes like the exact same route through the air. Well,
0: because it's been so long since I've seen it, but I think at the end when all of the animals are put back, they all get swirled up and sucked back into the game. And
1: they're just like Reuse that. Make yeah. the zebra look like a cow. <laughs> They're like,
0: we got it. the budget for the sound system here is enough. Uh, that's oh, amazing. Man.
1: So let's talk about how tornadoes form. Let's do it. So there's actually like a bunch of ways that they form and they're so complex and there's so many factors that go into them that we still don't fully understand them. Mm -hmm. We've talked before about how one day we may have a computer that could simulate every particle on the entire planet and how they interact to to understand how weather patterns are going to go. But for now, we can't. Mm -hmm. Also, I was realizing like you'd have to measure so much about every particle on Earth at once, like where yeah. they are and where they're moving in order to have an accurate simulation in the first place.
0: Right. Well, we talked about that. I forget which episode it was, but we were talking about like early just weather forecasting in general, right. not extreme weather. But it's like it's sort of similar to that butterfly effect where it's mm-hmm. like if you don't even necessarily know the exact initial conditions, how the fuck can you predict exactly. where those conditions are exactly.
1: going to lead? So that's going to be a toughie, <laughs> yeah,
0: but we'll figure
1: it out one day. Anyway, usually in places like the Midwest in the United States, tornadoes form from a certain type of thunderstorm called a supercell. Right, right. So these are formed when warm, moist air at the surface meets a line of dry, cool air higher up. Mm -hmm. The basic spinning shape initially comes from wind at different speeds from different directions colliding in the air, Mm -hmm. and it actually creates a horizontal rolling tube of air near the surface.
0: Horizontal? uh. Then...
1: Warmer, moist air from below causes updrafts, which can lift the horizontal tube up to be vertical. Uh When that happens, it causes like a whole bunch of unstable air to start spinning vertically. And the rotating upward moving mass is called a mesocyclone. Mm -hmm. And a thunderstorm with a mesocyclone is called a supercell. Gotcha. So basically, this like horizontal tube gets turned upright and mixes with a huge thunderstorm and you get a giant rotating structure.
0: Mm-hmm. I read that for a vortex to be classified as a tornado, the rotating column of air has to be both in contact with the clouds and the ground.
1: Right, yeah, right. Yeah, which
0: is interesting. So
1: that's the question of like, these are the conditions of where a tornado would come from. Right. Like, what actually causes an actual tornado to form, we still don't really know.
0: I also read like, because ter- you were talking about in the Midwest, mm-hmm. I read that like, you know, tornadoes obviously occur on all continents from what I understand, or uh-huh. at least on other continents, but specifically North America's geography makes it more vulnerable to them. And I read that specifically like the proximity of a major north-south mountain range, which I don't know if they mean the Appalachian mountain range or the Rockies? Rockies, but like based on the area like Oklahoma uh-huh. or whatever, maybe it's Appalachia, Appalachia or whatever they say. Uh-huh. But then also like... Near the Gulf of Mexico, it's like it's they're all in a latitude range frequented by these strong jet streams that mm-hmm. lead to these supersol right right because it's like about.
1: these the wind shear is what yeah. it's called when like wind speeds are coming at each other from different directions right. and mixing,
0: yeah. so that kind of makes sense <clears throat> with if you're talking about like then from somewhere else, the like warmer air pushes the mm-hmm. the, the funnel to be pointing up or whatever exactly, exactly. and it just kind of makes sense if you're like valleys and mountains, and then this Gulf of Mexico, like, right.
1: Right. I know there's also another element where, like, I believe that they're more commonly occurring in the center of large continents because weather systems work differently when there's no ocean nearby okay. to, like, dampen stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand that. I should look more into that, that's okay. but, like, I've heard that, that right. that's a thing. But yeah, with these actual tornadoes, they're like these spinning offshoots from the supercell, which actually reach the ground. And we think that downdrafts in Thunderstorms may be a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like, kind of punch a bit of the spinning cycle downward, which then creates a funnel. And once it touches the ground, the tornado can then pick up air, water, dirt, and debris that can then make it larger and larger until it's, right. like, as big as, like, a mile wide That's or more.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, like, in the movie, there's so much rain and lightning and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, like... Rain, wind, lightning, and hail, or whatever, can accompany tornadoes, but it's not necessary, like, as a, in terms of being a predictor for a to- tornado forming.
1: Right, exactly. And that's the thing where it's like, Because of what we know about when they form is just, like, from these supercells sometimes. (laughs) Right. And we know, like, a couple of other conditions. That's why we issue things like Tornado Watch or Tornado Warning. Mm -hmm. Because when the conditions are right, it's possible. But you also don't want to freak everybody out every time there's just a normal thunderstorm.
0: Right, totally. And I'm going to get to Tornado Warning systems and how they developed in a little bit. But, yeah, certainly, like, what we have now to be able to have these kind of Mm play-by-play, you know, Informational sessions of what's going on, so that it's not just like, "Well, it's here. Hopefully, you have you have shelter." In bed <laughs> yeah, line. exactly. Have you ever been to Tornado Alley? I have that, not. That region in the U.S. that's like where tornadoes are the most frequent?
1: Well, I, uh, certainly not when any tornadoes were yeah. around. Like I think I've like touched down.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: maybe going through on a layover or something.
0: I'm just curious because it's like apparently in an average year about 1,200 tornadoes are reported across the U.S., wow. which result in 80 deaths and more than 1,500 injuries. So I wow. only ask because it's like I've never lived in a part of the world that was tornado country, but mm. I'm just like, What's that? I mean, for that to be so fundamentally a part of like how, where you're how at. How many
1: people do hurricanes kill? Like, that's
0: a good question. I don't know.
1: Um, well, like, 2017 was the 17th deadliest hurricane season since 1900, mm-hmm. and it killed 103 people that year. Wow. How many people did you say die from? About 80 people die every year from. And more
0: than 1,500 injuries. But, you know, I I also wonder if it has to do with, like, the duration of the storms, too. Because a tornado can last from a few seconds to more than an hour, but on average, they last about 10 minutes. Where, like, Uh you think of some of these storms that are, like, days and days and days of shit. And then also that it's, like, a lot of the. The, you know what we experienced in this country—it's a lot of the aftermath that really causes the destruction. Like right. Katrina, it was like the loss of life really came after. Right, you know? and
1: like with Hurricane Harvey, or w- when Houston mm-hmm. was hit, it was like the floods that came afterward mm-hmm. and the days afterward. Exactly. The, the issues with groundwater and like yeah, there's a lot of infrastructure problems that getting it back up and running after one comes through is really hard. Yeah. So there's also a phenomenon that's known as twin tornadoes.
0: Oh, yeah. You hear like Paxton, dual cyclones, kind of?
1: Yeah, well, you hear Bill Paxton say in the movie, we got sisters! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bless us. <laughs> so this is, like, even less understood than normal tornadoes, except to say that we know that there are multiple vortices within the larger vortices. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's vortices within vortices mm-hmm. within vortices, and sometimes... You can, they can split apart, rotate around each other, and then remerge merge in, right. back into one. And there's a couple of photographs of twin tornadoes, and I, we'll post them to the Instagram mm-hmm. because holy shit. Yeah. They are insane to see.
0: They're... I mean, they're kind of beautiful, though. They you are. Know?
1: Well, the, what's cool is you, you can also see in the photograph that they're both a part of a larger tornado right. structure. Like, they both kind of are forming from the larger, what single cloud right. Th- thing. Right.
0: I mean, and that's why I appreciated the distinction that it's like for a vortex to actually be a. Because when we say vortex, it's just like a rotating column of air. Right, mirror, right. But, but for does it, to it actually cons- touch? Right. It's mm-hmm. like it's got a touch ground and the, the heavens above.
1: Well, that's another element where like as far as tracking them from satellites, you can see where the center of the wind circulation is. But that's a perspective from a mile up in the air. And you can't really tell like the ground below it might be mountainous or hilly Mm -hmm. or the tornado is twisted a bit from the cloud to the ground. But they can usually place a tornado within a five mile area. Like, right, okay. when it's active and they're looking at it through the satellites, they can be like, it's in right. this region. So
0: you might have some twisted sisters, mm-hmm, but exactly. you can at least pinpoint where they are. There
1: you All go. Right. One thing I read was that the sky often looks greenish before a tornado. Mm-hmm. And that's actually because when a thunderstorm shows up in the late afternoon, sunlight traveling in a straight line from the sun is first filtered of blue wavelengths when it goes through the atmosphere. Oh, man. And then it's filtered of red wavelengths when it goes through the thunderstorm. And then... Only the green part of the spectrum is actually able to get all the way through to your eye.
0: Wow. Oh, man. (laughs) And all the stuff that we've talked about in terms of the the color spectrum and shit that we can see and can't see. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Oh, man, (laughs) that's nuts. And then I also read that the risk of being killed by a tornado in the United States is one in five million. Hmm. which I think is a funny measurement just because I imagine that there are parts of the United States where your risk is more like one in billions, right. and it's other like, parts of the United States where it's much higher than totally. that. Totally.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and, well, first of all, that's fascinating with regard to you know how far we've come in terms of the, the warning systems, mm-hmm. but also, yeah, it's like we're in L.A. I don't think mm-hmm. we have the same chance of being hit by a tornado as somebody in Oklahoma. No, I
1: don't think we have a one in five million chance. <laughs> yeah.
0: Earthquakes on the other half. No, and... that's a
1: whole different story. Oh, that Terrifies, we have a,
0: terrifies a us to our core.
1: <laughs> very scary.
0: <laughs> so, you know, these storm chasers in this movie are trying to warn people about tornadoes. Yeah, so yeah. I wanted to look into how we actually do that it's like, all about
1: what, reducing that warning time baby
0: yeah exactly or it's,
1: increasing the warning time yeah
0: it's Red, yeah.
1: you get what I'm saying
0: yeah. <laughs> there's there's gonna be fucking property damage guys but it's clearly about saving lives and right. like getting people out of there but like you know in these days the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration or NOAA their National Weather Service warns about severe weather a lot of these Technologies are reasonably new in yeah. terms of letting people know. So let's blast all the way back to july sixteen forty three, when the first possible tornado report in the US occurred in Lynn, Newbury, and Hampton, Massachusetts. They were apparently recorded by Massachusetts governor and weather enthusiast John oh. Winthrop. he's really into weather but he apparently observed a sudden gust that whipped up dust lifted his meeting house and then killed a nearby observer with a fallen tree so he reported that but then if you see
1: that I would be into weather like (laughs) if you see something like that I'd be like we should know about this yeah like (laughs) huh
0: that's my house
1: over there now yeah
0: now jumping ahead a couple hundred years then in 1882 US Army Signal Corps Sergeant John P. Finley was placed in charge of the investigation of tornadoes and the development of forecasting methods and so during a tornado Tornado outbreak on February 19, 1884, Finley established 15 rules for early tornado forecasting and then published them in 1888. Unfortunately... The tornado prediction program encountered a huge roadblock because the word "tornado" was banned from official forecasts by the U.S. Army Signal Corps. What? Yeah, this Wh- was banned.
1: The word was the banned. The word
0: was banned because Why? because there were enough limitations in terms of understanding them, uh-huh. understanding how they form, and they were concerned over causing mass panic among the general public. So they were just like, I know, out of there sight, were, out of mind. We know you nothing just,
1: about this. Don't talk about it. I know. Don't I, talk about them because we don't know anything.
0: Right. I wish that was a thing that people didn't do anymore. To be like, there's a problem, an existential crisis that we're not sure how to fix. Let's Let's just pretend it
1: doesn't exist. So What could we be referencing?
0: Exactly. Take your pick. There's so much. (laughs) But anyway, so this this tornado word ban was continued for four decades into the early 20th century. So during that time, when it was still banned, one of the biggest and longest tracking tornadoes occurred. This was known as the Tri-State Tornado. It touched down in 1925, and it tracked for 219 miles across southern Illinois into southwest Indiana, killing 695 people and and injuring 2,000.
1: Holy shit.
0: Even after this, the word tornado continued to be ill-advised which deterred tornado
1: research. So what do they call it? I don't know. Like spinny-winny? Right, wins? exactly.
0: Like, is this another one of these, like, well, it's God's work out there, or, like, was it just not you're acknowledging the at tornado, all?
1: even you tornado, like, people must have been like, but there are these weird spinny right. things. I
0: know. I don't happen. understand this idea that you ban a word, and that means the concept therefore doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking insane. Anyway, and then in 1942, reports indicate that 132 tornadoes killed 223 people and caused over $7 million in damage so then in the the spring of the following year the the weather bureau formed experimental tornado warning systems Mm -hmm. so then you know local weather reporting at least started including tornadoes thunderstorms hailstorms lightning high winds and stuff and forecasters could basically indicate that conditions were favorable for these storms but again obviously could not give you the exact point which is what what we have where we're at
1: yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) we're yeah. a little bit better but not by much totally
0: so then a major breakthrough occurred in the late 40s because in 1948 this tornado struck Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City and it destroyed 32 military aircraft and caused 10 million dollars in damage
1: wow so I the, love that this is always like most work is done when it's like and it costs this many right, million right it's like lives lives, damage, lives 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 but this is how much yeah, damage was done <laughs>
0: right so, <laughs> so then this guy Major Ernest J. Fawbush and Captain Robert C. Miller of the United States Air Force they'd been working on prediction techniques and then like five days later they recognized a similar weather pattern and based on their observations the first tornado forecast was issued and a tornado safety plan for specifically tinker air force base was put into effect okay. and they considered the warning system successful when a tornado ended up striking the base again but this time their tornado caused six million dollars in damage but nobody was killed
1: <laughs> they're like
0: so yeah all right i mean we don't, like, four mil. we don't like that six mil <laughs> but nobody's dead i want to get kind of your take on this this idea of eliminating the word to not actually solve the problem. It's like and an Orwellian in,
1: idea. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's its one of those ideas of like, we'll burn the books and then nobody will ever know to think that way. And it's like, these things never work in history.
0: I mean, with regard to not wanting mass Panic to ensue. Right. Like, where do you where do you file that? You know, because they do that shit all the time. Or it's just like we don't want to let anything I get guess out. That's and cause- kind of
1: like like the the explanation that people like to have for why the government doesn't tell us that aliens exist sure. is like because mass panic and right. stuff like that. So like, just don't tell them about it. Yeah, I do think that like with certain things, it's like we have to accept that humanity is going to do what it's going to do. Yeah, and like we should be giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt that like if people do freak out then that's the thing that we have to go through right. for a period of time when it's something as important as this
0: right i mean because it,
1: also like the freaking out nature especially when it comes to something like tornadoes is going to lead to more tornado research
0: i mean even if you boil it down like let's say a very fundamental anecdotal experience like you you cheat on your partner or something right it's mm. like this idea of what they don't know won't hurt them but it's like but you're taking any choice away from that other person to like make a decision like yeah there might be some outrage that like you your person doesn't like you to cheat on them but it's like they right. have to know they have to be able to like make a choice so like you might not want public outrage but what's the alternative people don't know and so therefore they're
1: Therefore, Dead? you're living in a lie yeah. where there's a storm that could potentially come and destroy everything. Yes, yeah, 695
0: That's people. why I like
1: your analogy is like the storm that's coming is the truth. Right, and like, right. And right. that could destroy everything. And mm-hmm. so, like, why not open up and talk about everything so that you can figure out how to get ahead of the situation? Right. Because I mean, the fact is this tornado of coming whether the choice you that to. you made yeah. to cheat on your significant other, that tornado has is coming.
0: right. <laughs> What we're that saying exists is in the world now, guys. Infidelity is as damaging as a tornado. That's what we're saying. <laughs> That's the point of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's one takeaway from this episode. Yeah.
0: So, okay, I'm also just interested in the the idea of, like, precedent and, like, how that actually moves us forward, because then there was this Palm Sunday outbreak that occurred on April 11th and 12th in 1965. Yeah, I was
1: reading about that. Yeah,
0: it was, like, like, multi-state, you know, it starts somewhere and then moves along, but it uh, ended up killing 271 people and caused $200 million in damage. It's crazy. But at the time of the outbreak, the Weather Bureau, they'd already had radar and satellite images available for forca- forecasting, but it was difficult for Weather Bureau offices to communicate with each other other we're talking just simple like jammed phone lines and shit so you know it's like okay so now you have the technology but do you have the communications in order
1: well that's the thing where it's like you eventually get into the sirens and everything like that and now today we're implementing smartphone alert technologies like the amber alerts but for tornado things because sure a siren is great but like getting the buzz in your pocket and immediately knowing Instantly, rather than like, okay, let's tune to the TV. What's mm. the information that we have? It's right. The infrastructure for the system of contacting every individual person in an area didn't exist until totally. five or 10 years ago. Exactly.
0: It's like but be- before 20 years ago, it's like people were not nearly as mobile as they are now. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you would be at your house next to the radio waiting for kind of right. anything. It's like if you're at work, fuck off, you know, it's like.
1: I love the idea of like tornado issues, strengthening the infrastructure of a communication network, you know,
0: for the purpose of warning people about tornadoes. Right. Right.
1: Because you're going to use that for all sorts of things. Yeah. But it's like connecting everybody together is totally
0: I mean, I'm actually I I know that you I don't want to get into like too much of a tangent, but even just the Amber AMBER Alert thing, it's like that Mm -hmm. is something that is pretty astounding and like if you're in a room with everybody receiving amber alerts at the same time you're kind of like whoa the future is now we're all all intertwined well i
1: that's where i really every time that happens i'm like is it the earthquake is the earthquake gonna happen (laughs) in about 10 seconds is i know 10 10 seconds to a minute and that's gonna happen
0: i know dude i I feel like (laughs) you're so paranoid about it (laughs) okay so and then the movie if you remember when the team visits aunt meg's house You know, Uh Billy mentions that a tornado was measured by its destructive force using Fujita's scale. Yeah. So this occurred in the 70s. So this is Dr. T. Theodore Fujita, and he introduced this, this thing called the F scale. And he had collaborated with Alan Pearson, who was the director of the National Severe Storms Forecast Center. And in 1971, they created a scale to differentiate a twister according to wind speed. It included six levels of tornado intensity from F0 to F5, and connected tornado damage with the wind scale of the Beaufort scale, which was developed by Admiral Beaufort of the British Navy in the early 19th century. Do you know anything about that? The wind scale?
1: Is Beaufort that just, at all? Where does that come from like?
0: Well, what? I mean, I because I didn't look into Admiral Beaufort, I would imagine that being in the British Navy it would probably had to do with just like oh, the traveling in
1: the sails yeah. when you're yeah. literally sailing on the ocean.
0: Literally. I got yeah. you. Yeah. So,
1: so, there was like measurements of wind and then this was like based on the amount of damage that the wind does.
0: Right, exactly. Like F0 is between 45 and 72 miles per hour Uh uh, light damage, and then it goes all the way up to F5, which is 261 to 308 miles per hour, which is obviously incredible damage.
1: That's going to be a problem.
0: There's been more than... 50 F5 tornadoes recorded in the United States since 1950. And like, even in the movie, like the last crazy twister was deemed an F5 yet. Of course, you know, it like hits the barn and doesn't level it. I
1: thought that they were saying that because like the path of the tornado came next to it. Oh, and sure. like, and that it's like crazy how much a tornado is like contained in right. a way to within its funnel. But yeah, like,
0: which I'm sure there's gotta be truth there. There's but like, there's no this way movie, that it would hold. Right, this movie <laughs> yeah. is just like right with so many of these. Cause then yeah, they end yeah. up fucking like, you know they're holding on to that pipe. There's no somehow right. every bit of debris is just like going past them. There's well, there's the
1: fact that yeah they're not hit by any of that, and they do have this line where it's like these pipes go 30 feet into the ground, so they should be able to hold on to right. it. But like the, all they do is like they put like a belt around themselves, and the idea that this wind speed wouldn't rip their bodies through the belt, absolutely. Belts, like they're not, you know what I mean? Right.
0: Well, I mean, and not to mention the fact that it's like F5 tornadoes can hurl entire wood structures, and like these right, things right. going that fast can like shred human skin.
1: I saw something about there's like corn husks that can penetrate car radiators yeah. because they were traveling so fast totally. through the, the air. And then I read another thing about it. some of the corn husks were caught up in the air for so long that they developed ice around them and they became ice corn ice husks. H- corn hail.
0: Oh my god. And That's so crazy. it was like
1: heavy ass
0: yeah. hail
1: that was like giant corns yeah. just slamming into the ground and like mean,
0: if like I remember as a kid being told it's like a blade of grass can be like f- shot through a fucking oak tree, so right. like the idea that Bill Paxton and right. Han- Helen Hunt are
1: just like ah, hold on to this leather yeah. strap, we're in the eye of the thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I know, and even to, it's crazy to think that even pretty recently the enhanced Fujita scale was implemented. This was in February 2007, because. Basically, in 1999, after even after Twister was released, yeah, it was right? in like because 96, 96, right? So in 1999, this this tornado in Oklahoma was more powerful than F5. It's the only F6 that was registered in history. F6, and they were like, we
1: can't have a six. <laughs> we rechange the scale. Yeah, it's got
0: to be enhanced. <laughs> but yeah, to think like, so that's the only one. But that's between 309 and 379 miles per hour.
1: The finger, finger of God. So yeah.
0: <laughs> So a lot of today's forecast techniques are compared to the potential of tornadoes producing EF2 damage or worse. That's mm-hmm. the enhanced Fujita scale level two. I mean, it's just crazy to think like even if his guesstimates were off, again, how far that's come from like tornado is not a word. It's not a people. word. Yeah. So it's like you have to have the data in order to even develop the systems to warn people. Right. So like, so even after the original Fujita scale was created, this super outbreak occurred on April 3rd and 4th in 1974. And this was, it's fucking crazy. It's it had set present day records with 148 tornadoes occurring in 13 states in a matter of 16 hours.
1: What? <laughs> yes.
0: It caused 315 deaths and nearly 6000 injuries, 600 million dollars worth of damage. And at this Jesus. time, the average warning time was just a few minutes. Once like Doppler radar came into effect, mm-hmm. this enabled meteorologists to not only detect areas of precipitation, but also to detect wind circulations that may develop prior to a storm producing a, mm-hmm. a tornado. So it basically just enabled the National Weather Service to like modernize its operations. And today, the National Weather Service has improved warning lead time to an average of 15 minutes before a, a tornado is reported
1: that's that's what they were like going for in the movie if I remember correctly was like we want to get to 15 minutes because that's so much more right than three like it just is the difference between allowing you to get to shelter or not
0: it's the difference between life and death right you know and then you couple that with a lot of the kind of play-by-play like this is what's going on guys Mm -hmm. here's what's good you know before you have the like okay, it's go time. This is a tornado, right? Let's even just compare that first tri-state tornado that I was talking about from Mm -hmm. 1925. 700 people killed to that one in 1999 where only 44 people were killed. Oh. So, you know, it's like, even though it caused a billion dollars in damage, it's like, That's what we were able to
1: save people through it. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's that's like the biggest thing. And I guess like since that big super outbreak in 1999, there was another EF5 tornado that destroyed the town of Greensburg in Kansas. And that was in 2007. And they had a 39 minute warning lead time Mm. and extra tornado emergency messages leading up to that point.
1: I just remembered something else that I read about the Fujita scale, which was part of the impetus of why they wanted to measure these things at all and figure out what the damage was, is to start building structures that can withstand certain EF levels of tornado.
0: Really? I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah,
1: so it's like, well, you know, you do it as best you can. If you're in an area that is prone to tornadoes, you can try to build a more solid structure that can at least withstand an EF3, you know, or something like that. Like, there's a degree to which you can't Right, with, you know, like old, an EF five tr- for real is going to destroy hundreds of pretty miles much an hour. Anything? How would
0: you test it? Especially like? over
1: a long period. Well, that's where you test it in various like wind tunnels and uh-huh. stuff like that, and like all these different things were kind of coming together. But part of why they wanted to r- have a rating system is to basically build structures that can withstand various levels of the rating system. Gotcha. Same kind of thing with earthquake structures, right. and you know, like you build things in areas that are prone to this to withstand the various elements.
0: Right. Interesting. Well, and then I read that on the horizon is the development of something called phased array radar. And this is apparently going to allow researchers and forecasters to analyze storms with much faster electronic scans. Of course, warning times are sure to improve, but like scientists are also debating how much time might be too much to warn people. Oh, yeah. Which at first I was kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? More time, (laughs) the better, right? But the idea is like, If people are given enough notice, they might not actually seek shelter. They might think like, "Oh, I got enough time to hop in my car and you know." And it's like the last thing anybody needs is to have like roads just blocked with people trying to get out because they don't want to fucking.
1: Right, especially if you're just like going like, "There's 15 minutes. Get underground." And it's like, "I'm not gonna get in my car and go somewhere." Yeah.
0: But that's the biggest thing. I know.
1: Interesting. There's so many psychological elements of this.
0: I know. Again, it's like it's it's hard for me to not think like, "Oh my God, what would happen in L.A.?" And it's like. (laughs) You don't have to worry about this, but just imagine if there was a tornado in LA, it's like right. the last thing any of us need is everybody on the fucking road.
1: Well, that's one thing about like the storm chasers is like they're they figuring out how much fuel they have left and all this kind of different stuff of like figuring out like you gotta be able to stay in front of it and mm-hmm. get away at the right times. But like they usually happen in these areas where there's wide open roads, right. wide open spaces. Totally. Like I think about here in LA with the traffic, it's like you can't chase a storm no. around here. You get you stuck in traffic for an hour over there. Out. Rain's done.
0: Earthquakes were fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, back to that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But do you, what do you think about that this idea of giving people too much time? Do you think that that's irresponsible or
1: I think it's appropriate to give a certain type of warning at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And that when it's like it's happening in 15 minutes, get underground, mm-hmm. give that warning then. Yeah, how I guess it's just all in how you try to express the information to right. the people.
0: I mean, I guess it's also like we have to wait until that technology really is there that you can determine because, like, we've right. discovered it's like they only know for sure within that kind of 15 minute window. Yeah.
1: And it's the kind of thing of like, I guess we'll find out right. what's effective. And if we wind up doing studies where it's like these people wound up dying because they got the message too early, then mm. we can make adjustments. Right. Right.
0: But, but it's like the last thing, but you also don't need any fucking false alarms. If you right. remember that most recent thing exactly. in Hawaii where it's like, if people are like, this is it, oh, this is happening. Well, that was, it was like a, a false a, alarm. Somebody
1: hit the wrong button right like that's like there's also false alarms of like this storm could become a tornado and it won't but like it very likely was gonna
0: i mean i only use that example to tell you like the pandemonium that ensues like if people are really thinking like these are my last moments or else i'm gonna die that is
1: one of the most terrifying (laughs) stories like the images that came out of that like that's the kind of mistake that you would it would take me years to get over having pressed the wrong button in that case
0: Totally. I mean, we what did we cover on this show where there was an idea that we were going to war? Oh yeah, (laughs)
1: this was with the emergency broadcast system. Yeah, Yeah, we were talking about when they like came through that the Russians had launched nukes.
0: Right. So it's like I totally understand. It's like you want to give people as much information as possible, but people are fucking crazy, and there's gonna be hysteria,
1: especially when it's like something giant's coming. Yeah, (laughs) it's gonna be really scary. So, in the movie, they have this new system, at least new in the 90s, co- that's like a big barrel full of little sensors that they want to put in the path of a tornado, have the tornado suck all the sensors up into the funnel, and then let us learn shit about how the tornadoes right. work. And they call the system Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And that's based on a real life system that was being tested in the 80s called Toto. Everybody's oh. the cleverest person. They in the are, world. they are. <laughs> Toto stands for Totable Tornado Observatory. <laughs>
0: Okay. All like right. Like
1: totable, like a tote bag.
0: Sure. No. No. I got that. But then I was like, toe. toe. Okay. All right. Yeah. I had to, like, it's it out.
1: it's the first toe is like for totable, totable. and then the and right. then tornado observatory. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> so it looks very similar to Dorothy, but instead of being a barrel full of little sensors that would fly, it's just a big heavy sensor itself that they hoped would measure a tornado that passed over it. Mm-hmm. So it had an anemometers pressure sensors and humidity sensors and to deploy it two people had to unstrap its cables and roll it out of the back of a customized pickup truck in within 30 seconds Jesus. So, like, what they're depicting in the movie where they're, like, try to drive it up and then, like, get it off the truck mm-hmm. is very true to what this system was like. Mm-hmm. And then they had to, like, put it in a spot where it was facing in a certain direction so that, like, it would have definitive compass readings and then anchor it down in a spot, like, where the terrain was right and then get the fuck out of there. Whoa. And And it was just, like incredibly difficult to do not to mention the fact that it's this huge steel tube that is attracting lightning strikes by moving it around in a thunderstorm oh sure so they wound up not using them in the long run Mm. (laughs) because they were just so insanely hard to deploy and unsafe right but in the movie, like it doesn't seem like anybody's really tried that idea that's in the movie of like get a million sensors up in them.
0: How and how was I forget? There was like some epiphany of how that was an idea. I'll tell you what Eureka! it is. Eureka!
1: Because the whole time they're like at the grandma's house or yeah. whatever, and oh, she's got Aunt these Meg. wind yeah, Aunt Meg. She's got these wind chimes that are going, chimes. and he looks up at the wind chimes and has like this sudden epiphany, and he's like, "Let's cut up a bunch of Pepsi cans." and attach them to each of the sensors. Right. And that gives them like an aerodynamic heaviness <laughs> right. Right. that allowed them all to fly up into the funnel. Yeah,
0: that's that's what I was referring to. I yeah, was like, there's exactly. something real contrived about it. Yeah. Yeah, like,
1: oh. <laughs> Separate from Toto, though, there's this ongoing overall project called Vortex, which stands for the Verification of the Origins of Rotation in Tornadoes Experiment.
0: Oh, God. You're like, also... <laughs> Vortexes. They work. There. They
1: work real hard for these. <laughs> but that's a kind of umbrella for all sorts of tornado research done by the NSSL, which is the National Severe Storms Laboratory. Mm. And I know that like there have been a couple of these vortex projects over the years mm. you looked a l- little bit into vortex yeah, two? i
0: just saw because like in 2009 and 2010 apparently more than 100 scientists participated in vortex 2 which mm-hmm. like you were saying set out to track tornadoes as they formed and just trying to answer the basic questions like in this movie twister i guess that's what's so remarkable is like we still don't we fucking still know don't how they know. work yeah yeah these scientists are the focus of a new imax movie called tornado alley which i'm like i am
1: I would see that. There's a, a bunch of Nova documentaries about tornadoes, too, sure. that I recommend checking out if you can subscribe to your local PBS. <laughs> Support your local stations. <laughs> Another system that they mentioned in the movie is the GOES satellite, mm-hmm. which is a real project. And GOES stands for Geostationary Operational Environmental Satellite. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about Geostationary Orbit, which is the, also known as the Clark Orbit, mm-hmm. named after Arthur C. Clark, who thought it would be a good place for satellites like these. Mm-hmm. They orbit at the same rate that Earth rotates, so they're constantly watching one area of the Earth. And this project has its roots go all the way back to the mid-60s when we were first going into space. And imagine how amazing it must have been to suddenly be able to see the whole picture of weather systems from that perspective. Right. Suddenly, like all it is is looking from down here and being like, those clouds are coming. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like seeing this entire perspective of like, oh my God, all the puzzle pieces fly together. (laughs) We've since replaced those satellites and added a lot more. Most of those incredible NASA visualizations that you see being shared on Twitter or something like Mm -hmm. that, they come from the GOES project. Mm -hmm. And the latest satellite in the GOES system was launched March 1st of this year. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. So just two weeks ago from the time of this recording. That's
0: fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. We're always updating the system. (laughs) It's really important. Yeah. So I was curious... Could anybody survive being sucked up into a tornado, for real?
0: Oh, man.
1: You know, if they weren't strapped to a right. thing.
0: looking into the beautiful majesty, like, mm-hmm. you know, Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton got to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, she, the whole time, she was like, is my dad in there? Oh, that's right. And she right. kept, like, walking towards it, and then she got to see his, her dad's not in there. <laughs> <He's> not in there. <laughs> She's, like, there. He's in the middle dead. of the funnel. <laughs> I don't see him in here. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2006, a 19-year-old dude named Matt Souter was in his grandmother's trailer when the weather got bad. He stood up on the sofa to close the living room window and shit just got crazy before he had a chance to do it. The noise was insane. The floor of the trailer apparently started moving like jello, he said. Whoa. A huge force hit the trailer, tearing the doors off their hinges and sending furniture within the place flying. Yeah. Then one of the walls collapses, and he gets sucked out into the air right into a tornado that was passing over him. That's
0: like what happened to Helen Hunt's dad. Exactly. I know they were in underneath underground, but still.
1: Exactly that kind of a thing. By the way, he was only wearing his underwear.
0: No. Whoa.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Whoa woke up almost a quarter mile away in a grass field past a barbed wire fence, and all he had were minor cuts and bruises.
0: You've got to be fucking That's the coolest, like, life story of right? all. Like, K- and was a I, I was woke a up, today. like, in my
1: underwear in a field going, what happened to me? <laughs> Apparently, there was another story in 1955. There was a nine-year-old girl who, while riding a horse... Was swept up and rode a tornado.
0: You've got to be fucking kidding me. For
1: about a thousand feet, and she survived. And the quote was, the horse looked like a roll of wire and seemed to be going in circles, the wind carrying them until they got to the top of a second hill. This is like her mom watching. Right. She was able to protect her head with a leather jacket, but the hail pounded her body and hands, giving her bruises. (sighs) The girl said she landed on her tummy like an airplane.
0: Are you fucking... I wonder the headline, if the horse slept.
1: I think the horse was fine, too. Okay. The headline read, Real Life Dorothy.
0: So many goddamn Dorothy references. <laughs> we get it.
1: We get it. She... There was a tornado in that movie, and it was famous. <laughs> it was in
0: Kansas. We get it. It's a big part. I
1: just can't believe anybody, anybody can actually... That's
0: unbelievable.
1: And the reason it's so rare is that like, the idea that you would actually survive that without getting hit by any of the other debris... Right,
0: right. Because, I mean, that's what I read is it's not just the force of the wind. It's right. all of the shit that gets wrapped up in exactly. that but to just think that you're like whoa,
1: <laughs> whoa. Like, imagine being
0: that mom that's like my child I know
1: or like to look back and be like I went over the barbed wire <laughs> like, whoa <laughs> you can have
0: a moment and be like I'm supposed to be here guys yeah, like this like, like <laughs> heightened sense of to talk about pronoia you're just like yeah. even God, God pl-
1: picked me up and said hang out over well, here yeah.
0: <laughs> but stay in your underwear kid
1: yeah <laughs> Did you have any favorite lines?
0: I had a favorite line. Well, besides, of course, Zuck the Zone. The Suck Zone, Zuck yeah. Zone. He's got a lot of high-tech gadgets, but he's got no instincts.
1: Yeah, that is a classic. And that's, of course,
0: in regard to, who's the guy that's such a it's fuckface? It's Carrie Elwes. It's Carrie Elwes, Sarah Lawrence alum. Oh, yeah.
1: kind of looks about
0: like... Bill Paxton. I wonder if they were like eh, he's a little.
1: bit I similar. wonder, right. you know, like if they were exactly. both up for it,
0: right? Exactly. <laughs>
1: and Bill Paxton like, could have easily been the bad guy I know. in this movie.
0: That's true. He totally could have been. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's like the rival his, Storm
1: tracer. Yeah, yeah, speaks
0: to to Bill Paxton's range, guys. It anyway, does. but yeah. So I mean, Bill Paxton is referring to Carrie Elwes, who's like, you know, throwing his fucking ego around, mm. and he just doesn't have the tornado chase spirit. You no. Know.
1: You know, you gotta love. Philip Seymour Hoffman, pretty much every line that he says, but especially they're talking about all these different tornadoes types, like the F1 and the F2s are oh, like yeah. this, and F3s are like this. Oh, and they're God. all like excited and right. they're talking about the different types. And then like Bill Paxton's girlfriend, who knows, who doesn't even know what weather oh, is.
0: Oh my God, we didn't even discuss. It, Let's touch back on the sham of that relationship in a second. But what? <laughs>
1: but, so she's like, what's an F5? And there's a hush that comes over the table. Oh, and we are right. like, it's the finger of God. And it's like, <laughs> what are you, like, like all these people, right. like well, of course, what was gonna be asked next is what's an F5? And they're like, we don't talk about F5s. I know. F5s killed Helen Hunt's dad. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, right. You know.
0: I, I remember that. I was like, absolutely. I like, someone took off their hat. You know? Like, like I just oh, love man.
1: the idea that it's like, we can talk about tornadoes that killed her dad all day, but the F5, that's yeah, like the one, that was like the guy that did it. His like, name that was is the murderer. F5. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, and briefly, since you brought that chick up, like... didn't she she got a Razzie.
1: yeah she got a Razzie. which i mean the character it doesn't make any sense yeah. like why would she and bill paxton have right. gotten together I forget her, how many lies has he told her
0: i forget her character name slash her real life name i just know her as the chick from fucking the lost boys <laughs> yeah man it was absolutely just like oh i what was she she's a therapist jamie and
1: she, gertz and her character's name was dr melissa reeves sh- and yeah she's like a therapist for people who are trying to conceive and are having trouble
0: right and then she's talking to bill paxton and is his therapist I guess and like he had talked about being a storm chaser all this time and then we finally discovered that the reason she didn't know he was a storm chaser is because she's like I always thought you were speaking in metaphor yeah
1: like, it's like-
0: have you guys gone on a they date? They show up. Like, but yeah,
1: it's it's like they know absolutely nothing about right. each other.
0: Yeah, it's almost like they want to set it up like Bill Paxton and she shouldn't be together, but he should be with the girl that they finish each other's fucking sentences. I
1: know, with. and like, and and it's kind of this ridiculous <laughs> thing where like she realizes that halfway through the movie and goes like, I'm gonna take off in this relationship because yeah. clearly we're not right. Yeah, they're like, like, great.
0: I'm really glad that we it's not like really she's this been right.
1: watching this movie too. <laughs> yeah. going. This like, is weird. What's
0: she doing here? I read. This is my final point of the day. Mm -hmm. In an early scene when Philip Seymour Hoffman is sitting on a lawn chair, he lifts his leg in the air while laughing. And his genitals were fully visible for a split second. In the movie? Yeah. So it was was edited out of the DVD and VHS releases, but it was leaked from VHS screeners and sent to industry professionals. I did not notice his gens.
1: (laughs) Were they? I, I don't think that they were in the Blu ray release. No. Was that? So they were in the theatrical release? Yeah. And then they were taken out of the DVD? Yes. What about the HD DVD?
0: I don't know Maybe that's... you said you, right? you said you saw it in theaters did you see any balls
1: I don't remember I was oh, nine years old
0: dude priorities
1: w- yeah priorities
0: <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's balls
1: immortalized balls <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well with that <laughs> Please rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us at oh, that's a dot com and on Facebook and Twitter.
0: I'm at it's a joy, a on Instagram and Twitter.
1: And I'm at Jeffrey Ekman. And you can find us here next week doing the movie Snowpiercer.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll see you then.
1: See you then. Bye. Bye.